Hello and welcome to the Reorg Europe podcast, your weekly roundup of the most interesting trends and developments in performing credit, stressed and distressed, restructuring and post-reorg in the European and CMEA markets. It's Tuesday, November 14th and I'm Andrew Ross. Coming up this week, we'll be discussing global tea business, Lipton Teas and Infusion, which has made significant progress with its transformation as a standalone company over the last couple quarters. We will then run through the key highlights from the primary market this past week. But first, we'll be hearing from senior credit analyst Feijang Sang to discuss Swiss speciality chemicals company Axada. Hi, Fang Zhang. Axada reported weak earnings in recent quarters and its 460 million euro senior notes due 2029 are trading at distressed levels in the mid 50s. Can you tell us what's happening there? Sure. As you said, Oxada's operating performance has been weak, and we've seen double-digit year-over-year decline in sales in the first two quarters of this year. As a result, cash generation is constrained and liquidity is decreasing. Although management has said the company maintains a broadly stable market share, and the market headwinds such as weak demand and customer destocking pressure is easy in certain end markets, there's currently a lack of clear visibility on when the market will pass the bottom of the current cycle. We appreciate certain early indications of a potential market recovery, such as gradual easing of inflation on raw materials. However, we reckon it's critical to monitor the operating performance in the next few quarters, which will likely provide a clearer picture of where the company is in the current cycle, and therefore inform the potential trajectory of operating performance. Okay, and are there any near-term triggers which investors may have against the company? We reckon that there is no imminent restructuring trigger for Oxada in the near term. In the absence of significant maturities before 2028 and the lack of near-term covenant pressure, the company appears to have leeway for potential recovery in credit metrics before it has to tackle its 2028 maturity war. With respect to the liquidity outlook, we have heard polarizing views from the market. However, we sort of expect liquidity to remain adequate in the near term, which is supported by the proceeds from the 52 million euro add-on debt raised at the end of October to fund the RCF repayment and general corporate purposes, and the recent sale of hydrazine in July, which management said has fetched a high double-digit million dollar purchase price. Further, Management continues to see the availability of around 100 million Swiss franc under its uncommitted factoring facility going forward. We do know that Oxada has an undisclosed amount of cash sitting at subsidiaries located in China that the group might not find easy to upstream. However, the amount is understood to be limited and does not alter the story around the liquidity position in the near term. Is there anything else investors should be aware of when analysing this credit? In addition to business trajectory, it's worth noting that the documentation of Oxada's debt instruments is considered loose, which contains a number of provisions allowing off-market scope for value leakage. The documentation also acknowledges generous EBITDA addbacks and synergies adjustments, as well as less stringent calculations for the springing RCF covenant. The comprehensive covenant review can be accessed from Reox's website. We would like to hear your feedback to help us improve the podcast experience. So please take a moment to complete a short survey in the link attached to this podcast and let us know how we're doing. 
I'm now joined by editor Robert Schack. Hi, Rob. When Ikatera's buyout debt was finally placed in the market at the end of last year, the group was sporting some hair-raising metrics with double-digit leverage. It was facing significant cash outflows as a result of separation costs following its carve-out from Unilever while its core black tea market was structurally declining. How has the deal performed so far? Hi, Andrew. Yes, sponsor CVC has certainly had a mountain to climb in managing the carve-out of Unilever's tea business, which had renamed Lipton Teas and Infusion. The group had some lofty targets for earnings, presenting €320 million Euros of EBITDA to B for the full year of 2022, but actual cash EBITDA was a long way off and falling. Reported EBITDA dropped to €156 million in 2022, which was down almost 50% from €291 million the prior year. It was driven by some 70 million plus of transitional service agreement or TSA costs, as well as a roughly 28 million jump in branding and marketing spend, which reached almost 200 million for the full year. As a result, the group burned through 117 million of cash in 2022. This meant net leverage based on reported EBITDA jumped to 15.5 times from 11 times when the group's leveraged buyout financing was launched. But Lipton has made considerable progress since then, despite facing some steep headwinds in terms of unfavorable currency moves. Revenue fell 10.6% year over year to 387 million in the first half of 2023. But despite that, reported EBITDA still almost doubled to 29 million. And at constant currency, reported EBITDA would have jumped 143% year over year to 39 million in the first half of 2023. As a result, net leverage based on reported EBITDA improved to 13.2 times. The group presented a 7.2 times net leverage figure based on 359 million LTM adjusted end state EBITDA. That's a pretty impressive result. What was the main driver behind the earnings improvement? In an effort to focus on profitability, Lipton has radically cut back the number of its different business lines, slashing its SKUs to 3,245 as of June 30th, from over 13,600 in 2022 at the time of its separation from Unilever. It aims to further trim them to 1,700 in early 2024. It also reduced its number of customers, which fell to 1,700 from over 10,000 over the same period, and aims to further reduce them to just 1,400. The cuts resulted in the intentional loss of around 23 kilotons of volume over the June 30 LTM period. Lipton also faced some issues relating to its separation from Unilever that impacted the ramp-up of its business in the US, resulting in 7 kilotons of volume loss. It also lost 2 kilotons of volume at its estate business, but just 4.2 kilotons of volumes were lost due to the underlying business performance. In total, it had a volume decline of 35 kilotons, a 12.7% drop to 240 kilotons during the period. At the same time, the group has managed to secure material price increases with a jump of 31% year-over-year in the second quarter alone. In addition, it also realized some 36 million of cost savings out of a 101 million target expected to come through in 2023. Lipton still faces some questions over the long-term structural decline of the tea market, but investors have noted that CVC has brought in a very strong management team, which is why Lipton has been executing so well. We are now joined by Leverage Finance reporter Beatrice Mervolian. Hi Beatrice, can you tell me what's going on in the primary market? Hi Andrew, yes, this week the primary bond market has been strong, with three new bonds being marketed to investors from sensor lighting and visualisation specialist AMS Osram, discount retailer B&M and supermarket operator Eroski. 
With limited net new issuance in the European high-yield space, technicals are strong. However, investors have noted a bifurcation or split in the market between credits that investors feel comfortable with and those that are challenged. This week, this dynamic is reflected in BNM, which although it's in the typically more challenging retail sector, is a credit that investors feel more comfortable with and AMS Osram, which faces greater difficulties, including exposure exposure to discretionary end markets and a major operational restructuring likely to come. Meanwhile, B&M has low leverage, a business model that has been proven to work, good cash generation, and a disciplined approach to store openings. In the loan market, tourism shopping tax refund company Global Blue is marketing a term loan B for refinancing. HR systems provider Silai is marketing a term loan B add-on for a shareholder dividend, continuing the trend for sponsors seeking to cash in on their investments despite a challenging M&A market. And veterinary care company Evidencia is also marketing a term loan B for debt repayment extension. On November 16th, Reorg will host a live event in New York covering critical topics in performing credit. Reorg's experts will be joined by leaders in the performing credit space, including Robert Campbell, Managing Director at KKR, Bala Ramkrishnan, Managing Director of Research at Onyx Credit, and Edward Vitor, Managing Director and Portfolio Manager of CLOs at Nassau Global Credit. Register now at reorg.com forward slash events or email marketing at reorg.com for more information. We also send a weekly roundup of Reorg content ranging from breaking news to in-depth financial and legal analysis, as well as the latest podcasts that you can listen to and webinars that you can register to attend. Sign up to Reorg on the Record newsletter now at reorg.com. More information on all the situations and events discussed in this podcast are available on our website, reorg.com. We hope you can join us next Tuesday for another Reorg Europe podcast. Until then, have a great week and thank you very much for listening. Thank you.